We both need, maybe we need more drinks. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what I need. So, okay. So, so Rosemary, last week you raised the point that um, you don't believe that these things are necessarily, these things being... Um, the an extensive extreme, progressive yeah. bias that has been that seems to that seems to empirically being forwarded by expanding judicial judicial action in, in governments across the West. No, I, I would is, define is necessarily, these. I would define these things as done. like an expansive and ex, extremely expansive reading as individual of, of individual well, autonomy. Well, Rosemary, if you would, okay, if you would so define I'm them that fine. way, you know what you should do. You should actually just do the introduction. Besides. Oh, <laughs> zing, <laughs> burn. But I'm, All I'm, right, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Like, okay, I'll do it. Oh, you're doing it wrong. Well, then do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, go on, go on, go on. I just oh, wanted, no. I wanted to clarify what I was arguing. <laughs> no, but I thought I was going to get there, but you're not. Okay, no, go. No, I want to. No, so, 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 so last week you, you, you said that you don't believe that liberalism or the liberal state or liberal constitutional order implies this expansive progressive judicial rights regime that has increasingly been expanding. Uh, across Western democracy, that it's not—it's not inherent, but it actually it's part of this thing that you that you you correctly associate this this idea of the confessional state coming back, a liberal confessional state that has been written out recently in the Economist in an article that I'm sure we'll link in the show notes. And what I wanted to say to that is, um, yeah, I agree. Um, this is the reason why why I think post liberal conservatives are incredibly interesting, um, very informative people who I read and enjoy. Some of them are my friends, but I don't agree with, and I don't agree with them for two main reasons. One of which is because I agree with you, Rosemary, that it's not inherent to the liberal order, but it is inherent to a particular orientation towards it, philosophically, mm. mm-hmm. that has become very mainstream, particularly after the late mid-20th, mid-20th century. Think about the 60s. That's one reason. And the other reason I don't agree with the post-liberal conservative right is because a lot of their pessimism and fear comes from a classic place for conservatives throughout modern history. Things are changing really fast. A lot of things have moved and they conservatives face the problem when that happens. What is there left to conserve? And if they don't feel there's anything, they start moving into this kind of more reactionary, revolutionary kind of ideation where they have like more more and more radical ideas about how to reform society to bring us back to some imagined yet improved past. And I think that's also false. I think that, that, that because things have changed so quickly, there are large swaths of the population that still hold these values and things that are worth conserving. And through the organs of liberal democracy they would be able to instantiate them. So if you, if you look at people like Sarah uh, Amari, who argue that essentially to have an all-out war um, in order to, to, to reestablish these essential values at an elite level, right? This is this kind of aggressive, this is the kind of message you might want to worry about if you're really concerned about um, liberally ordered democracy where, where authority is being controlled where uh, major- minorities and majorities are being protected, and so on, right? This is this is one one view. 
But other people who are sympathetic to, to Orban and so on, people like Rod Dreher or the, or the editor of uh, the European Conservative, they, they argue that, like I'm saying, that there's lots to conserve. There's lots of people who have these values and so on. What they need to start doing is start organizing, and not organizing the protest, but to organize to develop using the liberal rights and the, and the rights of it and the legal infrastructure available, alternative ways of life and education and institutions that can therefore kind of spread their way of life in a lot the same way that a lot of alternative ways of life have spread over time throughout history, right? And this is a, a constant tension. And I think that the people who argue more that maybe we can, that, that, that if you want to change that structure within, within a liberal, li- liberal state, I think that you still can do that without engaging in um, Saurabh Amari style uh, aggression. And the question is whether or not uh, this is what Orban in Hungary is doing. And, and what I see happening in Hungary is, is much more subtle than an aggressive power grab to sort of instantiate some sort of like Christian autocracy. Right? That's just, it's just not what I see. I feel like I need you to back up and talk to me about. I know uh, about what do you even mean when you say a liberal confessional state? Yeah. So when we talk about liberal confessional state, this this kind of goes to the heart of your objection, right? Your objection is that there's this is not inherent to liberalism, right? Uh, and what what the conservatives say is, well, sure it is. Look what's happening. And what I think you and I would say is like, yeah, look what's happening now. We see very expansive, aggressive courts in Europe, in the United States, uh, overruling elective legislatures to push ever-expansive rights that have never actually been voted on or deemed legitimate by the populace as they're being expanded upon. And, and they see that as inherent to the system. And if it is inherent to the system, then it's true that all liberalism is a confessional state in the sense that if you live in a liberal state, you must hold to the creed, for example, that it is in fact wrong, it is an injustice, that the state must reconcile, because that is right, to be born in the wrong body, for example. You have to believe that. You have to believe as a as a good liberal citizen in good standing, that gender is constructed. This is a confessional state vision, mm. right, of liberalism. Mm-hmm. And if it's true that this is inherent to liberalism, then that justifies the extreme pessimism of the more radical post-liberals. I mean, I think they're wrong. I think it isn't but, inherent. No, no, yes, exactly. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. saying, but the problem is, is that you and I might argue, yes, I see what you're saying now. But I look at the history of liberal democracy that seems to expand beyond the last 30 or 40, 50 years mm-hmm. where that was not the case. So was that not liberal democracy or has something else besides the essential liberal democracy changed? Yeah. And I would argue the latter. And I would argue mm-hmm. the latter as well. This is one of the reasons why I disagree with mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where I think that it's not necessarily inherent but it is something that has been bled into the practice and that can be really difficult politically to fight once it gets power because you have the courts and you have these legitimized bodies coming for you and saying that if you don't have, in the case of Hungary, uh, education for elementary school kids that 
teaches all the children that gender is constructed in these ways, that therefore you are illiberal. Right. I get that that's very confessional, but it's not essential because for a very long time that was not the case. And there's no reason why I couldn't be again. Um, and this alternative vision of liberalism, uh, which was, I think, the norm in most liberal democracies until until the last you know couple decades, was what uh, John Gray calls like this modus vivendi liberalism. This idea that liberalism is is, is more an outgrowth in practice of the Reformation Wars in Europe, and it was made to actually eliminate confessional practices in politics and try to find some way where. In that case, Protestants and Catholics could get together without, you know, burning each other at the stake, basically. Right. Or we didn't have state-sponsored violence against the wrong creed. Right. And that's and that's that's how I see liberalism as like a framework within uh, within which like many other like many diverse uh, beliefs can thrive. Like let a thousand flowers right. bloom, it, style liberalism. Right. But the problem with that claim is that it's wrong. The, the problem with that claim is that liberalism actually contains both. It can. It contains both tendencies, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it has, and it has, and it has always since the 18th century. Right. There has always been a group of liberals who are primarily concerned with the maintenance of peace and social harmony, and eliminating these sort of conflicts, and that being the primary role of of any well 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 organized state that recognizes individuals as uh, rights bearing creatures. And there has always been an element of liberalism that has argued that the purpose of liberalism is to locate the, the purpose of liberalism and, and liber, liber, liberalism and liberty is to help us locate the truth and the right. And then once discovered to impose them, to make our, our society better, more efficient, more prosperous, more moral and greater. Oh. This is the progressive <laughs> vision, right? That we, we, we discover truths, we instantiate them in law we make ourselves better. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, the, it's the John Gray two faces of liberalism thing. that you Absolutely. Think, yeah. But, but, but you can also see this if, if you, if you go back and you, you know, you read the debates between Thomas Paine, Edmund Burke and right. others, you, you, right, look at, right. you look at the debates that happen beyond that groups and politics, this tendency, these two tendencies have always existed. Right. Well, it's, it feels like, you know, um, I'm, I'm big into federalism and I feel that we should let Texas be Texas and let Vermont be Vermont. And if, um, and within the bounds of the set by the constitution, um, if Texas wants to, um, I don't know, have really strict abortion laws as an example, like grasped, not all at random, or if Vermont wants to have, although it doesn't want to have, which always surprises me, really strict gun laws, um, like, yeah. you know, within the limits enumerated by the constitution, we should allow this and, and not right. and not fall to pieces because people now women in Texas quote don't have bodily autonomy end quote an argument that drives me bonkers because I mean this this gets tangential because to me abortion is so clearly a case of two conflicting goods like two conflicting rights mm-hmm. like I I don't know how you anyone can honestly like from either side of how you think in policy if I almost can't speak to anybody who can't acknowledge that like this is clearly a case of conflicting goods, like a, like a right to bodily autonomy versus anyway, point being that. Right. You know, like, I just want to no. say real quick that, that that's similar to, to, to trans politics, right? Cause it comes so close to the nature of a person and what constitutes a, a, a an unfair or natural burden. Mm. 
that, that it's another thing where I can I can understand both arguments. Right. Both both arguments are 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 are, are inc- they're incompatible, but they're both consistent and make sense to me. I understand the idea of a reasoning being having being having an unchosen experience that is terrible to them is an injustice, but I can also understand that's like that's the way human life is. Right. Well, there's this uh, and there's this thread in right. liberalism where even if um, uh, that one of those two phases of liberalism is what you hear mm. when somebody like doesn't want to allow Texas to make their own choices because they'd be taking away a right that the the speaker believes exist, but that Texans don't 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 believe exists. Um, which yeah. I find like such a frustrating argument. It's like, well, you believe that like a, a right to the, an abortion exists. Texans as yeah. like at, you oh, know their their democratically elected um like system of government no, clearly of don't believe that and so I don't see right. I don't think it's a good way to instantiate liberalism to impose that on somebody else except within the bounds but uh, that are like clearly laid out in the constitution if we want you know and we can amend the right. constitution and we, there's a the whole process for that and that's very right. procedural and this and- is my answer <laughs> And this is the answer to every critic, right? Who says, like, whenever, whenever, whenever you you oppose these ex- these rights expansions, right? When it comes to uh, uh, abortion, or you know, the case of you know the cake baker um, in Colorado, the Colorado cake baker. Well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to say that they can do this and they can do that? And where does it end? I'm like, well, if only there was a process for creating new constitutional rights. Oh, wait, there is. <laughs> like, we, we have a way for drawing that line. We do. At a federal level, right? Um, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I welcome it being utilized, right? I, I'm, I'm a supporter of abortion rights. Uh, I'd like them to ratify to the Constitution if you want them to be on the basis of a right rather than a statute. And if we can't get, if we can't get that to happen, then it shouldn't be a federally enforced right because no one agreed to that ahead of time. Right. And it should be something that's led to local democracies at the level of states. Because it's literally been determined to be a reasonable point of disagreement because there has been no constitutional amendment. Right. We're getting a f- far afield from like the no, liberal- no, we're not we're actually, not. <laughs> because this is exactly the same thing that happened in Hungary, where you have a, a change on a particular view of how you should educate your children. Or what constitutes a good reason or a bad reason to put a label on a thing for children at a bookstore in Hungary. And that is very offensive to people in Western Europe. And therefore, they're going to impose on that group. Mm. It's the same sort of problem, Mm -hmm. right? It's related to everything we're talking about. And it's a form of confessionalism. It's like saying that, well, our states are all Catholic. And your states are all Protestant. And you're recognizing the the wrong... uh, the wrong form of the Eucharist, and this needs to be changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, when who voted on that? Yeah, uh, the, the the courts decided. <laughs> like it's just it's not a it's it's not a system that 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 is necessarily inherent to to liberal democracy. Honestly, what I find interesting is the way that, like, I, I see it as kind of, and maybe this is wrong, but like everyone keeps trying to come up with new words for like. 
the woke karate and cancel culture and on and on and on. Well, we have to because you keep getting accused of using the wrong words. I know words it's like a euphemism changing. treadmill, but like liberal confessional state is uh, is pretty good. Is pretty good for some. Yeah, I like it too. I like it too. Yeah, you could write a book like John McWhorter on the elect. It's like the elect yeah. imposing their the um, <laughs> liberal confessional. Yeah, state. that's exactly what it is, right? The conventional liberal state is is not just. I I don't want to stress that I, I don't. And this is what I try to stress in the in the European conservative piece, right? Is that it's not that it's wrong, although I think it is. The, the bigger problem, because I, I think I think that essentially the problem with the confessional state, this idea of well, the moral logics that have been sort of instantiated through law over decisions in the past, therefore imply these new rights that then you must conform to even if there's never been a never been a vote on i i think that those sort of things are wrong in much the same way as uh colonial impositions were wrong you have a, a minority of people who think from from usually from a, a center of a society an elite position who have decided that another way of life is in some way degenerate or terrible and you know and some and and, and sometimes and sometimes and can that's my, true and can my fiat change well, what's it? interesting here is that sometimes i think that's true but i also don't i because i believe that like you know i'm i'm not a moral relativist i'm a moral realist and so i think hey, look, dude, but so so so, so 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 but it's possible for that to both be true like it's possible that you know the government of texas listen. could be grievously um you know abridging the rights of its citizens and also true that because we have agreed that we are living in a liberal demo- like in a in a in a federalist liberal democracy that they still get to make that choice i don't i don't know it's like this. The yeah. Aztecs were super terrible, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was it was Cortez's place to come in and stop them from being terrible. Right. Yeah. Right? Like it's, yes. it's, you know, it's yes. one of those things yes. where yes. every everything that's wrong in the world that I think is wrong or that I know is wrong even is not my place to impose. Oh, of course, on but that, but, but that, then that, the comeback is like, oh, so you just would have continued to allow slavery? But like but no, but we went through a process. We went through a constitutional process. Um well, not just constitutional, but like moral and everything else. There, there was there was a whole development there that happened over over millennia. Mm. It wasn't like slavery was invented in the American South in in seventeen. Oh, I'm sorry, sixteen nineteen. Right. You know, it has been a, a human norm for most of recorded human history. Mm-hmm. So there was a long process there of moving past the slavery phase, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's 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 essential. But I, I but but I think that. Um, the imposition of that is, is morally problematic, but I can leave that to the side, right? So let's ignore that for a second, the normative argument, the, the moral argument, and just go to the practical side. Mm. In, in free democratic societies, we're going to give voters um, the ability to control the ballot box. If you uh, impose upon them laws they don't like, mm-hmm. that they consider to be anathema to their identities and cultures, for too long, you get one of two results. One, you successfully imperialize them and they conform. Or two, they start planting bombs in government buildings. That's usually how these things end. If you're lucky, you have what's happening now. You have an intermediate stage. People start just voting for radical populists. People who are willing to address the issues that have been ignored by the established rule-based system. And you start exploring more revolutionary counter systemic options. I, I'm really interested. And sorry. I think that um, no, no. I was say, and I think that that's inherent mm-hmm. to confessional liberals. I think it's inherently unstable for that reason. 
and I'm going to say one last thing before you go on, which is that, and that's because you can also go back to this two fa- these two faces of liberalism as having two different priorities. One being a preoccupation with justice at all costs, and one being a preoccupation with peace at all costs. This is like the, well, you just let slavery going, I mean, how people will go along and get along? Well, not necessarily. But there's this two extreme versions, and if you pursue peace to justice to its maximum extent, you will destabilize peace. In much the same way that if you pursue peace to its maximum extent, you will ignore justice. Mm. So I, I, the, the, the concern with the confessional state, much like the concern with a, with a unchanging, hyper-conservative, uh, un, uh, aristocratic state, is that it's inherently unstable. Um, so I actually, my, my point of the article on the European conservatives is that, and it's in the title, is that these sort of political actions are fundamentally destabilized in the European Union. And they could lead to its collapse. And I want to remind everyone that in Europe, when Europe hasn't been united, it has been a very bloody place. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, you know, so in no place in the world has be easing up on the justice and, a, and, and being a bit more concerned with peace raised greater dividends than in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually what you said was what I wanted to talk about a little bit more because I find I, I I see very clearly that trade-off between between justice and peace between the two between the yeah. two um, faces of liberalism and I and it's unclear to me whether there's any like whether there's any way sort of just like messily me- like you know disastrously messing it up and like mucking along and like leaning one way and leaning the next way to like to get that tension right. Um, because mm-hmm. it, it's so clearly attention to me that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, <laughs> no, and I, I actually agree with you. So, so this is, this is where you and I actually end up with a similar place. So again, I find post-liberals interesting. I find the fascination with Hungary informative. I think that there are things Hungary has to teach us, but I'm not really at heart a po- post-liberal. Right. And I'm not a post-liberal because I actually believe that liberalism has this magical quality to eliminate the big problem. Of confessional liberalism or enhanced uh, muscular conservatism and or, you know, integralism where you have this kind of a new form of confessional state that's more conservative in nature, which is that it has the ability to create this sort of dance Mm -hmm. between conservative and progressive political forces such that you have adequate restraints on overly fast change. But you have this group that's constantly looking for sources of problems to be improved and the dynamic discussion between progressive confessional state liberal forces that are saying, this is the way our rights need to go. This is how we need to move. And you have conservative forces saying like, well, wait a minute. These things seems really important to us, the way we live or how things work. And let's have more of that, that, that tension, that fight has been extremely historically productive when it's been allowed to happen. If you look at the best periods of policymaking and of American and American history, they have been when those two forces have had the greatest creative tension. Mm. So, well, then maybe we shouldn't complain about American politics. they when one or the other is highly ascendant. I was, was going to say, well, maybe we shouldn't complain about American politics. Maybe what we're seeing now is, in fact, like that 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 conversation. And so, or, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you think that the liberal confessional state well, is No, I, I, the problem ascendant. is the, the, the conversation isn't happening because a conversation needs to end in a compromise. The the magic of having having these two these two sides fight is that if they're forced to negotiate, what they'll come up with 
will probably have safeguard the most important things for the preservation of peace, while at the same time advancing the most important things for the causes of of free uh, of justice, while not actually granting us either in full measure, which is kind of what we we need. But you can only get that through a compromise. You can't get that from well, now we have government one, and now it's justice season, and, and now we have government two, and now it's peace season. <laughs> this is this is not the best way to get the optimum kind of uh, of liberal policy or governance, mm-hmm. right? It, it's about, and, and this is this is this is okay. This is this is what I'm going to call kindergarten liberalism, right? What we need to do is all the you know everyone who's dis- different is special, and we need to come together and discover each other's specialness. And, and, and find ways to combine it so we can work, live together in a community. It's like we're all taught in kindergarten. And that's kind of the, the kind of liberalism we need where we have these various camps that are compelled by our systems and by our expectations of the elites in the system to engage in these sorts of constructive conversations that give us outcomes that look like compromises, which I want to point out we all used to have. Hmm. You know, and what's happening in Europe and what's happening over Hungary and what's happening in America is not that. So the tension is good. I like diversity, but not if it's so polarized that it's really, if you don't give us all, anything you say is evil, that's not a constructive place to go. No, it really isn't. Yeah. Um, so I'm against confessionalism in either direction. Mm-hmm. And so far, I want to point out that when it, my defense of Hungary is that I actually just haven't seen the things that would lead me to be extraordinarily worried. I haven't seen any sort of establishmentarianism where we're trying to establish some sort of church. I haven't seen any sort of even establishment of, 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 of Christian worldviews and education. They've mostly just chosen not to discuss it. These uh, alternative LGBTQ uh, uh, um, identities, they've chosen not to discuss them. I'm not seeing a strong push to instantiate a new confessional state. What I am seeing is the norms of the Hungarian public and the concerns of the Hungarian public being realized in those policies. Mm -hmm. I do not see the concerns of the Hungarian public being realized in the rampant corruption in Hungary Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or the manipulation of political opponents or the expulsion of central European university. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I see all those as problematic. I also see that those have been largely ignored or, or not considered to be very serious. And I think that that's a real concern that that our concerns with the rule of law seem to only emerge when the outcomes of that rule of law are things we don't like. Mm-hmm. That's not a good faith defense of rule of law. Like that you, I make this, you, you and you and I have had these conversations before about the way, the way SCOTUS has made certain decisions the the liberal wing of the Democratic Party is very often very upset with what the current Supreme Court is doing and they're claiming it's anti-democratic or illiberal or dangerous but it's exactly what the liberal court's been doing procedurally speaking for the last 50 years they're overturning precedent they're making decisions based on a different set of legal analyses, they're doing things without legislative imposition like they're playing from the same book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if the only time you're defending rule of law is because the rule of law is giving you things you don't like that's not a good faith discussion over the rule of law mm-hmm.